I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot Hello, Soul Tribe. It's Raquel. Raquel Mantra here, and I know that I am so, I always say, I always say that I'm so excited to share every guest who comes on, but today I really am beyond excited because this guest is extra special. His name is David G. Uh, And by the way, Deepak Chopra gave him his name, and he does address that and why in this episode. Pretty amazing. But David G, he was one of my first teachers after I sat in his meditation class years ago in Santa Monica, California, and I just felt so connected with his method along with his sense of humor and of course, some of the spiritual teachers that I am just most drawn to are the ones with their own unique sense of humor. So then I carried his voice and meditations with me on my travels around East Asia and and even now in London. So in this conversation, we not only dive into spirituality and meditation, but he shares ancient sacred secrets that he learned from palm leaf readers, what? <laughs> known as Nadi, N-A-D as in dog, I as in India. And he met these palm readers in India and people go to them from all over the world, all over Mama Earth, to learn about why they're here, their destiny, their purpose. And he talks about this along with how we can tap into our sacred powers that they taught him and these sacred powers that are given to us from the universe to awaken transformation within us. I know, so there's so much in this episode. And I'll circle back to David G as I introduce him in front of him, so you'll hear that in a moment. But with all that being said, I must say hello to the Yomi reviewer of the week. Her name is Risa, and Risa says, Ali and Raquel are doing so much important work 
by making these incredible thought leaders and their insight available through their podcast. So thank you, Ali and Raquel. I admire and am grateful for the work you're doing. Your loyal listener, Raisa. Oh, Raisa, <laughs> thank you so much. That means the world and I know Ali will also appreciate it too. Your review really means the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, this one's cute too by Run Happy. I am so aligned and grounded when I tune in to listen each night. Ali and Raquel's voices are so very magical and truly transform my thoughts. Oh, that's exactly why we're doing this, why this podcast exists. And I'm so happy that both of you had mentioned Ali. Um, she's been MIA for a while and speaking of Ali, the magical unicorn Ali Michelle. Well, this is very important news and oh my god, my heart is seriously beating so fast right now as I present this, but um, some news that I promised I would not make a big deal about because she didn't want it to be a big deal, <laughs> but I'll just be honest, it can't not be a big deal and especially, I can't not make it a big deal as she's a big deal in my heart and taking up a great space in my heart. And I'm sure that if you've been a loyal and avid listener of this show for a while and you've been listening for the past month or two, so you probably already got a taste or a sense of it and wondering what happened to her. Well, Soul Tribe, um, my beloved co-host, Ali Michelle, has decided to part from the podcast as honestly she's simply just listening to her heart and following the whispers of her inner guidance you know her she is so connected with her intuition and it's guiding her to new things and honestly great things the great things of course that she'll end up gifting you and I so I so honor that and I am beyond happy for her. And I'm sure you are too, because you and I know how magical she is. And though I really do miss her so much and I'll always miss interviewing with her, this is something that she needed to do for her soul, you know? And it's hard to juggle so many wonderful, magical things at once. So like what was talked about before, um, how important it is to really focus on that one thing that really makes your heart sing, you know, that's what she's doing. And though it's going to be so hard because she loves you all so much, she does feel so right about this. Plus, it's not like you're going anywhere. You're still going to stay connected with her. There's still such thing as the webs. And... <laughs> And no matter what, I still love her, and I know that we'll all still support all of her endeavors as she continues to help us and the world connect with their inner voice and live their truth and share that story of their soul. So, ah, <laughs> I know, I know, this was not supposed to be a big deal, but I just can't help it, okay? This is a must, because like I said, I will always be one of her greatest supporters, but also greatest cheerleaders in everything she does. You know, she's not only one of my best friends for life no matter what in my heart but also because i truly embrace the wise old soul that she is and the messages she shares and everything she has to say so really keep your eye out for Allie's upcoming books and poems and travels and everything that she does in between i'm sure she'll share with you she's so good about that and her wonderful Facebook group, Soul Stories, where you can go and you share your story of your soul, your creative spirit, 
So just because she's not doing the podcast anymore does not mean she's not going to be there for you. And she's said a million and two times that she loves Yom <laughs> so much. And so this is hard. And again, another reason why this is a big deal. Well, we wouldn't have your own magic. And I owe so much for her. I wouldn't have as great of an opportunity to share with you and connect with you and feel confident about having a voice in this world. She really gifted me that and more. And I seriously have my life forever, my life to thank her for. So Ali, if you're listening, I love you so much. I know the tribe loves you and supports you and applauds you so much. And now just continue to, I'm going to get so cheesy here, but continue to share your own magic with the world because we're listening and love you. Is there, do you have birds around you? I do. I'm in my backyard. Oh, so cute. Oh, you're outside. I love it. So birds are going to be a part of this. Anyways, hello, Soul Tribe. Oh, sharing the message of this next guest means the world to me. And though he does not even know it yet, he is one of my expanders in deciding to be of service to guide others in meditations and go on a soul-seeking journey to awakening my divine self. And David G opened that door for me back in 2015. And so I am so honored to be one of the hundreds of thousands David G has guided in meditation and one of the hundreds of thousands he's transformed into a beautiful way without him even knowing it at all. Anyways, <laughs> I attended David G's group meditation at Unplug in Los Angeles during a time when I was experiencing a meditation block. Well, it was just like a resistance phase, resisting to meditate for a long period of time. And I remember when I heard some international meditation teacher named David G was making an appearance for guiding a group meditation at Unplug, I read this and I just felt a little nudge to attend the session and I followed that. And now it's very clear to me why this happened because his ease and his magnetic sense of humor and deep understanding of why we're doing this, why we meditate and why we take the time to even, even a short time, even when we're resisting to sit down and close our eyes, why we meditate. And he demystified many concepts for me, many untruths that were just not resonating with me. For example, it's okay to have thoughts during this, and you don't have to do it for a full 30 minutes. And he also reminded me the power, the sacred power that meditation holds deeply for us, connecting with our divine spirit, our inner being, so we can lean into the direction of our dreams and live that life that we desire to live with more ease. And I remember after his class, that resistance, that block was finally removed and I got back into my meditation practice with ease and joy. And so now, if you are not familiar with David G, he is a world-renowned meditation teacher and author of award-winning books, Sacred Powers, Secrets of Meditation, and Destressifying, 
And after a 20-year career in business and the very stressful field of mergers and acquisitions, I can't even imagine, uh, David G. listened to a sacred whisper that guided him on this path of awakening and teaching others to awaken their divine self. David G. apprenticed under Deepak Chopra for 10 years, and his teachings are now practiced in many top Fortune 500 companies the military, and some of the largest police precincts and academies in the United States. Wow, what a resume. I've been carrying his online guided meditations with me around the world for years. In fact, I just wrapped up one of his on Spotify that I let him know of to get into alignment before this interview. So, Yomis, welcome, David G. Hello. Woot, woot. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi, hi. A well-deserved long intro, but they needed to know. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, thank you for all those beautiful things. I'm so excited that we are um, interwoven, you know, that our lives are interwoven, that our hearts are interwoven, and that um, really so excited that you meditated with me before we even had our uh, connection here. So how beautiful and is that? I've been doing it many times. I love that. Interwoven. And your story, though, your story, let's interweave that, your personal story that led you toward your spiritual journey. I know it began from working 18 hours a day in a business suit in the wake of 9-11. <laughs> and you even witnessed the towers you once worked in drop. Yes. That's tragic. What was this? What was, was this your awakening moment that led you on this spiritual journey? Do you mind elaborating on this experience with our listeners? Sure. sure. You know, I think... Um... There, there, there are small breaks in the action, and then there are giant ones that that all of us um, share. Um, you know, you even talk about it. Um, you know how you connected to Ali and you know your your India, you know journeys, um, and even creating you know this um, this podcast. We all have them. Uh, they are the, the wake up moments, the come to Jesus moments, the aha moments, we could call them, you know, whatever, you know, anything. And, um, whenever these moments come into our lives, if we are paying attention, uh, and they're not always the kindest, uh, visits <laughs> that the divine gives us. Um, sometimes we are, you know, shaken and sometimes we are hit in the head with a two by four. And sometimes, you know, we are just knocked and our heart is cracked open. So many different things. But for me, uh, I think that process really did begin um, with this pattern interrupt of, of 9-11. And yeah, I was, uh, I was uptown by about 20 blocks watching the Twin Towers um, burning and Ultimately, when Tower 2 collapsed, where I had worked, um, uh, not in the current job, but I'd left there about six months before then, um, when Tower 2 collapsed, that just like snapped my brain. I couldn't even figure out like what was happening. It was so bizarre. And I was sort of like reeling from that. But my truer, my deeper aha moment happened um, just a couple of weeks later as I was walking downtown in Manhattan past a row of cardboard boxes that people were living in. And this hand reached out from within a box, grabbed my pant leg and like sort of like pulled my face down. And this guy peered up at me and, and asked me, you know, that, that very first question, which was, you know, what's going to be on your tombstone? And oh. I, you know, to, 
you know, we've all had encounters with unknown beings, but in that moment, I, you know, uh, I was just, it was just shaken. I call those butterfly moments. In that moment, everything stopped. All the sounds of New York stopped. The traffic stopped. The footsteps stopped. Um, all the people sort of just like vanished. Um, and every single thing in my entire existence just froze. And it was just me and the crystalline blue eyes of this guy who suddenly, you know, began having these deep conversations with me. And I believe this is the, this was the voice of the divine speaking directly to me through the body of someone that I did not know. And this has happened to me several times since that moment, but that was probably um, the, the most profound moment of, of my life. That was like a pattern interrupt. It was a break in the action. You know, a lot of times we're like trapped in cycles and we don't, necessarily take ownership of those but in that moment that gave me permission to break the cycle of everything that I was doing in my life sort of like introduce this pattern interrupt and then launch on a on a journey to um to connect with timeless wisdom and then share that with other people Butterfly moments. I love that concept. That's beautiful. And that makes so much sense. What did you say? What was your answer when he said, you know, what he, will be on your tombstone? You know, it took me so off guard. You know, normally, you know, if you've ever hung out in New York, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fast paced. There's not a lot of empathy, not a lot of compassion. People are on their own mission, head down, doing their thing. And so you know, I probably walked past that row of cardboard boxes, you know, a hundred times. But in that moment, I just stopped and surrendered. And um, I said, <laughs> I said nothing back. Um, he asked mm -hmm. several other questions and gave me a little extra, you know, uh, guidance mm -hmm. on that process. But, um, you know, he was the he was this being who said to me, you know, uh, go find your sacred powers. And like, usually people who are, you know, homeless or living in cardboard boxes on the street, um, you know, that's not the dialogue that they're usually having with people. That's not the conversation um, that's yeah. going out. Um, and I, I reached into my pocket, you know, to, to, you know, sort of like on autopilot to just give him some money because clearly I figured that's what, what this was and he pinned my hand inside my my pocket and he said it's not about the money the answer is in the stars no Find your wow. sacred powers. and i was like whoa that is not the normal dialogue that you're getting from your typical person especially it was like he was definitely planted there as an angel or a guidance of some sort do you ever think absolutely why me absolutely. And I, there, there were no words. And at a certain point, his lips weren't even moving and there were words coming into me. It was one of the most totally kooked out scenarios that, you know, that, that I've ever had in my life. Um, and I've had more since then, but that was the beginning of something bigger. And clearly in that moment, um, it was apparent to me that I was meant to do something other than um, advise companies on how to buy other companies. <laughs> and I'm so thankful you are. That gives me chills. 
Wow. He planted a seed and I'm, I just can't even fathom what your other encounters have been like, but sacred power. So he's the one that kind of came up with this title in a sense of one of your books. Wow. So in sacred powers, I know you have five paths of the spiritual journey, five divine paths of transformation. How did this come into your awareness, these five paths? So of course, you know, I'm fairly obedient. And after this guy gave me my, my marching orders, um, I quit my job and I headed off to India um, yes. and uh, in search of the guru and, you know, looking high and low in search of the guru, traveling everywhere. And ultimately um, I connected with um, a palm leaf reader, you know, from a, uh, a leaf from a palm tree. There are these individuals who have existed for thousands of years. That's like what you do if you're born into that family. And, um, you know, the, the story goes that on these leaves is the story of everyone who has ever existed and everyone who will ever exist. So I went off in search of the, they're called Nadis. He's the Nadi, N-A-A-I. And so I went off in search of the Nadi, the palm leaf reader. And so um, I searched high and low. I traveled through Northern India. I went, you know, to Dharamsala with the, you know, thinking it's, oh, it's going to be around the, the Dalai Lama, or I went into Punjab, I went to, you know, Jaipur and Agra and Delhi and, and Rishikesh and Hardwar and all these places. And then suddenly as I traveled further and further south, so there were just little signs. And of course, I did not speak Hindi and I did not speak Tamil. I didn't speak any of the languages there. And I was probably the, the, the whitest skin that stood out in every <laughs> town um, that I went. But ultimately, I got to uh, this town way south in in India, um, where I, where somebody approached me again, and this guy like cut through a crowd, and uh, he spoke no, he didn't even speak Hindi, he only spoke Tamil, and I didn't speak Tamil, and we, we became fast friends. We couldn't understand a word we were saying, <laughs> but I only the only the only word that we both understood was naughty, and this guy. <laughs> Um, like I picture you guys like shaking hands and like shaking your heads, nodding your heads, naughty, naughty. Right, right. Yeah, that was it. That was it. We drank <laughs> some tea together. I spoke for like five minutes. He spoke for five minutes back to me. We kept going back and forth. There was absolutely no understanding of what either of us were saying. We, it was just, it was just gibberish, you know, between the two That's of great. us. But, but we felt so. Um, it was a sweet connection, and he was like naughty, naughty, and so we. Um, so we jumped in his car. I don't even know if he was like 16 years old and we jumped in this, this jalopy and drove for hours and hours and hours. And at one point he jumped out of the car and he, he pointed to the, to something, uh, about a half a mile away, this giant rock structure, like a side of a mountain. And he jumped out and he went elephant rock, elephant rock. And it actually looked like an elephant laying on its side. Um, in there. Anyway, he took me to the Nadi and it was through my multiple hours of the Nadi telling me about my past lives and my current life and, and the moment I would die and how I would die and my future lives, like all this stuff, you know, every aspect of my life, my health, my finances, my dharma, my purpose, the, my relationships, um, the people, you know, my, my father, you know, all the people in my life. Uh, this was just like an un- like an unbelievable aha moment after aha moment after aha moment after aha moment. And it was in that um, process that I 
um, was given the spark that there are these five paths and they are not just existing on the Indian subcontinent, but they exist and they have existed throughout time. The divine principle of one, you know, essentially that, that we are all made up of one, the divine principle of awareness, that we are this intersection of, of dream and possibility, and we are the manifestors, we are the masters of each moment, the divine principle of, of rebirth, that we all have this ability and we must keep rebirthing ourselves and returning to stardust. Um, you know, there's that, that, that great um, Lao Tzu line, when I let go of who I am, I become who I might be. And we need to all lean into that hard because, you know, that's, you know, that's what perfection is. You know, a lot of people that are trying to be perfect or they're trying to do perfect things, but perfection is evolution. It's our continued growth. It's our continued expansion. Um, then the divine principle of infinite flow, you know, that this existence has been going on for billions of years and we are just, you know, a, a ripple in that process. We're this continuous flow of cosmic energy that began billions of years ago and our existence, your existence, my existence, all of our existence is based on a, uh, a never-ending energy exchange. And lastly, the, the divine principle of inner fire. Uh, this is the source of our passion, our clarity, uh, our creativity, our, our courage, our compassion, our forgiveness, our inspiration, our, our purpose, our love. And truly our sense of, of personal power. So, you know, suddenly I realized this isn't just like something that I was told that's an Indian tradition. It exists in Native American traditions. It exists in the Middle East. It, it existed in ancient Babylonia. Uh, it, it existed in, in, in Asia and in China, um, in the oldest civilizations uh, that have existed. And it's existed in rippling through ancient civilizations in Africa as well. So I was like, I need to share this. I need to like get this out there and share this with the world. And so I've spent the last 15 years teaching meditation, connecting to people, studying, you know, diving into this whole process. And suddenly I figured, you know, like the, the time is right. The clock is ticking. I got to get busy. I have to share this stuff. And people ask me all the time, should I quit my job? Should I dump my spouse? Should I get out of this relationship? Should I take this chance in my life? And Quite honestly, I'm not the best person to tell someone what they should do with their life. But, but through these teachings, by awakening their sacred powers, they can step into their best version and make the best decision from that. So that's really why I wanted to, you know, get that message out there. Oh, the weight and hormone struggle is so real in the woman world. And men too. I, I can't forget you. So dear listener who happens to be feeling so sluggish and has an inability to lose weight, even though you may be exercising and eating so healthy or you're not having a regular period and it's not fun to just feel fluffier and more heavier than usual and not digesting your food properly. Like what is going on? Hi, I'm in that camp too. And 
I've been experiencing all the above, scratching my head as to why, and I just, I need a solution. I needed a solution so bad. So instead of going to the doctor or a functional medicine doctor to get everything checked, then, you know, wait for the results, and then you have to go back and pay them again for the help. I'm just skipping the first step by finding out what's going on while I'm staying at home in my yoga pajamas. Yeah, I, I wear my yoga pants to bed. And anyways, I am using Everly Well to get my inflammation levels checked and to see if there's any food sensitivities, if I am allergic to any of the foods that I'm eating. And there's more that you can do too, like a thyroid test or even a metabolism test to check three key hormones that help your body maintain a normal weight, which I believe the metabolism test only costs like $75 and some change after you type in the promo code MAGIC. Such a great deal. Way cheaper than going to any doctor to find this stuff out. And I just wish that I had tested before as a preventative while my body was at her healthiest state and thriving. But now it's it's just, but that's what happens when you travel and I'm totally surrendering and accepting of it and just finding out what to do because I love this temple. So I hope that you want to find out what's going on yourself at home. And all you have to do is go to everlywell.com choose your test, type in the 15% off discount code MAGIC, and then they'll be shipped directly to your doorstep. And then once you complete your sample selection, you just send it back to Everly Well Certified Labs and they'll process your sample and send you your results via Everly Well's secure online platform within just five days if you're in the States. It's so fast. So Everly Well will take out all of that guesswork out of lab testing and put the power into your hands to complete a range of important health tests all from your own home that we all need to do, even if we're in our healthiest state or poorest state. So just head to everlywell.com and use the promo code MAGIC to take 15% off your first order. And I'll put that in the show notes for you. That's everlywell.com, offer code MAGIC for 15% off. And so I'm going to say their slogan because I love it. Your test, your time, your turns. (laughs) Oh, dear. One, I love, I love that you said that you don't give advice and tell people what to do when they ask you, what should I do? Because so many people feel like they are the one that knows what that person should do. But in all reality, we only know within. We are our own inner guru. I fully believe that. That's why I also never answer that when people ask me. So I love your advice is in your book of the divine path. And it goes deeper than just asking the question than having an answer. It goes deeper. And I want to explore a couple of these paths a little deeper, if you don't mind. I know that Everybody should definitely read the book if they want to know all about every single one of the paths. But I'm curious about Divine Path of One. Why should we go and seek out this path? Well, you know, if we, this is like the starting point for all things. It's the understanding and the acknowledgement that we're not separate from anything. So that's why when people say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling so lonely and I'm feeling so insulated, Um, that's all in your head. That's all in your mind. That's a choice that you've made to separate yourself. But the reality is, um, you know, we are, we are one, we, 
we learned this when we started realizing that we were polluting the planet. You know, we suddenly realized, oh, you know, I'm, I'm dumping stuff into the ocean. Oh, by the way, I, I am the ocean because I'm drinking that water and I'm 72%, you know, water anyway. And there's, you know, I mean, here's like an amazing concept. Einstein said that energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It can only be changed from one form to another. So that's like a, that's like a, a, a mind blowing concept because we think we're creators, but we're not, we're transformers. We're always just taking whatever this moment is that has come to us and then crafting it or morphing it or, or cultivating it or sculpting it into the next moment. Yes. So, so that's like a powerful understanding. And, you know, he also said that there's the exact same amount of energy on this planet right now as there was 13 billion years ago when supposedly <laughs> the solar system was even developed so like just like drink that in that's like so intense there's even the same exact amount of water on earth now as there was then so we may say well wait well what about you know climate change and global warming it's all being retransformed into something else you know, the oceans, the water levels are rising. There's, you know, it's in, the water is in plants. It's in, there were only 3 billion people a bunch of years ago. Now there's 7.6 billion people and we're all 72% water. There's all these animals that didn't exist. So there's constant transformation and re, you know, um, repatriation of every single atom of energy, every single cell in existence, and everything is this giant transformation. One of the most ancient uh, lines or teachings, it was in this book called the Mahavakyas. Maha means master and Vakya means sayings. It's about 7,000 years old. And it's um, Aham Brahmasmi. I am the universe. We're one with the universe. And there's this other phrase, Yatapinde Tat Brahmandi, which means as is the cosmic body, so is our personal body. As is the cosmic mind, so is our personal mind. Essentially, I'm not in the universe. The universe is in me. And that is like, that's the kernel that rests at the very, very core of the divine principle of one, this divine path of one. So everyone we see is simply a reflection of us. <laughs> so much is going on in my mind, for example, it's like when we die, you know, if matter can't be created or destroyed, then where do we go? Right. And so we also have to acknowledge, well, I'm not just my physical body. So yes, that dies and turns into dust and goes back into the environment and maybe just another cycle or, or something. Who knows what, how that gets redistributed. But what about that energy that was flowing through us? Just like this energy that's connecting us right now. Yeah. You know, what, and it's know, going to be transformed to and molded somewhere else. Where does it go? Does it go upstairs to my next neighbor in some way? This energy? Like, it's... Exactly. And um, that's why like all messages, all the, you shared this message, uh, the sacred powers that has been a message for thousands of years, but then you, you took it and you also created it. So we today, the, our modern selves can understand it. And it's like, there really is no new message. Right. Exactly. I'm just a translator. Yeah, you know, we're all just, just translators. That's, <laughs> it, that's it, exactly. And and some people are, um, are resonate with our translations. Some people go, "Oh yes, that's exactly how I think of it." And other people say, "Like what? 
I have no idea what you're talking about. And so... <laughs> And that's why we have, you know, that's why we resonate with certain people. That's why we vibe with certain people. Right. But those people like, that don't know what you're, you're talking about, I realize you planted a seed and then they'll get it later. Always. Right. right. Exactly. And maybe it'll take someone else's translation to spark it. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. However they communicate it because right. we really do. We all are wearing a completely different lens of perception. And so you, whatever language you're talking to me right now, like whatever you're saying to me personally right now, our listeners, every single person is going to have a different perception from their different lens in some way of whatever you're saying, though a similar message is still being delivered. Right. Wow. Right. Divine path of one though. Yeah. <laughs> and divine path of inner fire. So the first one and the last one. Let's elaborate on that one. Yeah, well, this is like a really, really powerful one because when we think of, you know, our, our inner fire, um, even in the ancient, and, and this is so cool, in ancient Egypt, so we're talking about 6,000 years ago, mm -hmm. um, on the Indian subcontinent, so we're talking somewhere between, you know, 5,000 to 7,000 years ago, in China, um, in Native American cultures, in First Nation cultures, in um, Canada, in many of the, uh, in the, in the Mayan and the Aztec cultures of South America, and in so many um, cultures woven through Africa, there's this concept of chakras. Now we can think, oh my God, you're talking about something so woo-woo and kooky, but it's, <laughs> we know it's true because acupressure, acupuncture, you know, the meridians of our bodies exist. And modern medical science knows that these seven energy centers of our body are actually like the convergence of our circulatory system, you know, all of our blood vessels, all of our um, nerve endings, our neuro neurological systems, um, as well as our immune systems. So when we look at like, where's like the power plant that's sort of running us, it's not our brain. You know, brain is just like an organ. The power plant of your body supposedly through so many different cultures is your solar plexus and they call it solar plexus a plexus is sort of like um a giant convergence so this is a medical term and solar it looks like the sun and sort of sort of like you know a few inches below your um your rib cage that's the technically the center of your body that's where the highest concentration of blood vessels digestive system immune system um nerve uh neurological systems they all converge right there in the center in sanskrit they call that the manipura mm -hmm. um and so that's like you know that's like the, the the light that shines at your very core of existence and of course in you know sanskrit we call that you know the city of jewels but then a little bit above that is your heart center and so that combination, we know where our heart is. It's really easy. Those two places, your solar plexus and your heart center, they contain your, your passion. That's where your passion is sparked from. That's where your follow through, lock it down, get it done. That's where your intention and desire center is. That's your compassion center. Um, you know, this, this linkage between your solar plexus um, which is your power plant and your heart center, which is your compassion, forgiveness, courage center. The word courage, you know, goes back to, you know, it goes back to like an, an ancient 
French word, which is cour, which means heart. And so our courage rests in our hearts, mm -hmm. our ability to move forward, to, um, to, to breathe in inspiration. This is where our, our lungs are between those two areas, the breath of life, the breath of the universe. So inner fire, you know, essentially is resting in this magnificent uh, launching pad that's deep within us. And you can say it's physically located, say from your belly to your heart. Yes. And how do we activate that? This is our passion. This is our purpose. This is our, you know, this is our reason for, for being here. And this is the thing that's always moving us forward. And so every culture acknowledges, some cultures only acknowledge four chakras, four energy centers, but all of them acknowledge the solar plexus, which is like the engine and the heart. Those two are, are recognized by every single culture. So it's like, Duh, there's some massive overlap going on here. Um, and this is, our, this is our fire of transformation. This is where we manifest our dreams and desires. Mm -hmm. There's this ancient, um, ancient um, poem, really, uh, in, this, in this book called the Brihadaranyaka Upanishads. Um, and um, chapter four, verse four, I'm sorry, book four, chapter four, verse five says, you are your deepest driving desire. As is your desire, so is your will. As is your will, so is your deed. As is your deed, so is your destiny. So we start with our desire. And if we own it, if we step into our power, if we get that crystalline clarity and we move in the direction of our dreams, we can manifest our destiny. And it starts with a spark, just a little spark of desire. Oh, and I love that spark. And I love getting those feelings inside of my solar plexus. That is my where I communicate with my language of feeling of what it feels right, what doesn't feel right, and where my passion comes from. Yeah. I mean, this is where we turn our intentions, our dreams, our desires uh, into tangible form. You know, so we are the we we are this this giant manifestation machine. You know, as the Buddha said, all that we are arises with our thoughts. But if we don't own those thoughts, then it's just some intellectual thing that's drifting in and out. And that's why exactly those feelings. I'm sorry, there's a plane going overhead. That is fine. <laughs> that is fine. I'm surprised that I haven't been interrupted here in London with thin walls. So, you know, we know that that um, if we can stoke that fire, our fire of passion in, in our heart and our passion in um, really our intentions, we move stuff from, from thought to reality, from concept to tangible reality. I mean, it's so powerful. Mm, yes. And I love how you were able to, for those people that don't connect with this idea of a chakra that you were able to talk about the scientific elements of it. So other people that are listening and don't understand the flowerly language or like we were talking about, they can't understand certain right. translations. There are other ways for us to understand how the chakra in the body works, where it works and how it flows. Right. Right. And, you know, and a lot of people, you know, listen to that and they go, oh, you know, it's a little kooked out for me. It's like, <laughs> okay, fine. 
Forget all that cooked out stuff. We know that's where your digestion is. Yeah. We know that's where you're, and you're not just digesting food in that space, but we're digesting our emotions mm-hmm. in that space. We're digesting um, all of our experiences in that space as well. So that's where the fire, we know we have that, you know, the, the fire within, the fire in your belly. We have all those expressions. They're not random expressions. They're because, you know, we actually are cooking stuff inside of us. And that's where the, where, that's where the cooking is. We even know that that's typically the warmest part of our physiology. You know, we have cooler parts of our body and hotter parts of our body. And that space from our belly to our heart is the hottest part of our belly because it's the largest convergence of all the blood flow. Yes. Oh, and in that space, I know you had said that back when you were experiencing a lot of pain and not feeling like you were on the right path, that you had a knot in your stomach that was so tight. And I love that you said you, that could only be washed away by a glass of scotch at bedtime. <laughs> you <laughs> really? have read my book. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And many of your talks and mine happened to be a cigarette, potato chips and vodka, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but for those that are experiencing this now, and I really hope that this message is being delivered to them or those that are seeing someone that they love experiencing this, suppressing that knot with an external substance, what would you recommend they do? Just one first simple non-intimidating step that they can do today or tomorrow to help them transform their life and unknot that knot. This is such a, a, thank you for asking that question. You know, (laughs) Uh, again, I'll go back to this concept, which is, uh, it's a scientifically proven concept. And yes, it's a spiritual teaching as well, but it's known as the pattern interrupt. And so like, why do we re- why did I reach for a scotch to soothe my wounds, to soothe my emptiness, to fill that space? You know, I had a, an emptiness, a pain inside, and I was reaching for something external to numb it, to stop it, to, to move it away. Well, ultimately it became sort of like, um, you know, a go-to, it became an autopilot. It became a conditioned behavior and ultimately, you know, that can be a a habit. You know, that's how we sort of like get into bad habits. And that's why, you know, further into that is addiction. So how do we break that cycle? Again, the only way we can ever break a cycle ever um, is to introduce a break in the action. And so um, I would stress to anyone out there, if you find yourself reaching for a non-nourishing behavior on a consistent basis, whatever that is. I'm not here to tell you, hey, you're drinking too much or you're getting high too much or you should get off those opioids or like, or whatever it is. That's not my thing, but I can teach you and, and we can do it right now, how to introduce just a break in the action so that you're not, your next action after that isn't necessarily a conditioned behavior. You have an opportunity to think for a moment Mm -hmm. and not come from a conditioned space or be driven by chemicals or hormones. We know just as human beings and as every animal on the planet, when we suddenly experience fear or desperation or a threat, if we interpret it as a threat to our physiology in any way, you know, we are, we're hardwired with a self-preservation mechanism known as fight flight. 
And in that moment, chemicals and hormones surge into us. All the good chemicals and hormones suppress themselves, and all this cortisol, adrenaline, glucagon, which is like sugar, surge into us to save our life. I mean, that's essentially what we're trying to do. It's a self-preservation mechanism. But of course, you know, we're not experiencing threats to our life on a daily basis. So anytime we sense an attack on our ego or who we are, someone says something and we take it personally, um, something hurts our feelings, something, you know, um, threatens our sense of self or our ownership of something, we do the exact same thing. The chemicals and hormones spark and they surge into us. And so this is why we reach for an extra drink and then another one. It's con- it's just conditioning. And so if we can introduce a pattern interrupt into that process, and one of the easiest pattern interrupts that I like to teach is uh, something I call 16 seconds. And it's really, really, really easy. We can all do it right now. Let's do it. So uh, we can all just... Um, Think of something that's been bothering you or irritating you this week. Maybe something that has even sparked you reaching for a drink or getting high um, more than is is nourishing, you know. And I'm not I'm not going to you know I'm not here to tell you how you should live your life. Uh, and and there is no moral or ethical conversation that I'm having regarding oh you're getting high too much or oh you're drinking too much. Um, we just you know yourself if something's nourishing or non-nourishing. And so, you know, if there's something that's been irritating you or bothering you or sparking some discontent inside of you, get clear on it. And now close your eyes and through your nose, take a long, slow, deep breath in and watch that breath as it goes down into your belly. And when it gets there, hold it and watch it and witness it and allow it. And now release it and watch that breath as it moves up your chest, out of your throat, out through your nostrils again, and just keep exhaling. Keep holding that breath out. Keep observing it. Keep witnessing it as it dissipates into the ether. And now open your eyes, breathe normally. And that was 16 seconds. We breathed in for four and watched our breath. We held it for four and watched it. We let it go to the count of four and watched it. And we held that breath out and we continued to watch it. So those 16 seconds, in those 16 seconds, you were not in the past and you are not in the future. In those 16 seconds, you were fully present. In fact, in those 16 seconds, if you were playing along, you weren't thinking about that irritation. You weren't thinking about that bothersome thing. And that's because you can't be fully engaged in the present moment and be thinking about the past or the future. When we are in the present moment, we are in the now. And in the now, there's no fear, there's no desperation. There's no anxiety, there's no stress. There's only us witnessing in that moment. And so, that's 16 seconds. If you do it four times, it's a minute. If you do it 20 times, it's five minutes. But that can be the break in the action that you're looking for if you're looking to take your life to the next level. So rather than, you know, and remember, at no time did I say, now stop thinking about that irritation. I never mentioned that sentence and I never said those words. All I said was, now close your eyes and watch your breath. 
and yet you magically drifted from that irritant or that irritation, from that discomfort to the present moment. So we know now that we can control our thoughts. We know now science has proven that we can introduce a pattern interrupt and that will create a break in the action. Essentially a time in, not a time out, but a time in because we've gone closer into our source. We haven't disconnected from who we are. And so in all these spiritual teachings, they never say, don't do this thing. They offer up an alternative and say, how about this thing? And everything, and this goes back to, you know, one of the um, divine principles, the divine principle of awareness, which is everything is about attention, intention, and then action. So simply by drifting our attention from our desire to have a drink, drifting our attention from our desire to have the next cigarette, drifting our attention from our desire to light up some weed, drifting our attention, you know, from our desire to take another opioid, whatever the, whatever it is that's non-nourishing. And this could be non-nourishing relationships as well. If we can put our attention on something else, deliver another intention to it. Again, we're not saying to ourselves, I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. We're saying to ourselves, oh, check that out over there. Let me put my attention on this. Let me bring a new intention to that. And then we take action in that other direction. And so without having to scold ourselves or spank ourselves or belittle ourselves or, or knock ourselves down, we can choose higher vibrational things. And it's bean by bean. It's step by step. You know, as 12-step programs say, you know, it's, it's, it's one day at a time. But in, this, in these teachings that I want to share, it's one breath at a time. And even just taking long, slow, deep breaths in and doing that for 16 seconds is enough of a pattern interrupt to change what was a conditioned behavior and introduce another option. Yes, another path because you're at a higher vibration. I'm taking that in. Mic drop right there. And one person I know that could definitely use that in my life. Okay, so my dad, he's 73 and a half years young. He's a, he's a Vietnam vet. He was master sergeant for the army. And though he's such a supportive dad, I know he believes what I do is fairly woo-woo and very foreign, um, so resistant to meditate. And, you know, the, that knot, he uses, he, he likes his whiskey every night. Yeah. Um, so he could surely use a tool like this. And his name is similar to yours, by the way, but a bit more basic, David. <laughs> um, he's an attorney and he is the most stressed out and hyper person that I know. And because I love him to the moon and back and I want him to live in this human suit in this lifetime for as long as possible, I know that with every fiber of my being that if he just sat down and calmed down one breath at a time and allowed himself to ease his mind into a state of meditation, he would add more years to his life. So what do you do to get to these military guys and these old guys that you work with? How do you get them to meditate? How, how in the world do you teach an old dog new tricks? Well, that's why I wrote the book Destressifying, because that was born from me teaching members um, of uh, 
returning members of the Marines in Camp Pendleton in California here. Um, and I never used the word meditation. Um, I called it 16 seconds to clarity. Oh, that's everything. Cause meditation can kind of be intimidating. Right. Right. And ultimately, um, the name I gave it was tactical breathing. And that was it. That was the shift that they needed. These are guys who had multiple tours in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. They were experiencing, you know, major, massive disconnects, um, trauma, you know, tons and tons of waves of chronic stress. And it happens one break at a time. So we started meditating for 16 seconds a day. That was our meditation. We did it, you know, I called it tactical breathing. And ultimately the name we used for our practice was let's do 16 seconds of stillness and silence where we just breathed in, watched it, held it, watched it, breathed out, watched it, held it out, watched it. And then we did that every single day, just 16 seconds a day for a week. The following week, we added a minute to it. And then it was a minute and 16 seconds. And we did that every single day for a week. The following week, we added another minute to it. And we did that for 25 weeks. And ultimately, because it's so incremental, because we weren't saying to anyone, blow up your life and integrate all this new stuff, and we didn't do it in any woo way. We would just breathe and watch it, hold and watch it. Breathe and watch it, hold and watch it. And they got comfortable with that thing. And, you know, none of us breathe enough, no matter who we are, whether we're, we're returning from a war or whether we just, even yogis don't breathe enough. <laughs> or, you know yeah. that. It's just not enough breathing um, <laughs> because we are sort of like, so we're sort of like um, conditioned to hold our breaths a lot when we experience uh, a disappointment or, or something that wasn't what we expected. We, we don't breathe into it. So we can just start to teach ourselves to breathe a little bit more. And we can do that by talking about 16 seconds to clarity or ultimately 16 seconds and a minute, 16 seconds, two minutes, 16 seconds, three minutes, and so on. These guys that I started working with who were skeptical at first, they all meditate for 25 minutes and 16 seconds a day now. And 16 seconds. I love that addition. Wow. Right. <gasps> wow. See, it's the compound effect at that time, those the 16 seconds, the first week in that time, it added up and imagine how many minutes they spent focusing on their breath during those 25 weeks. Did you ever calculate that? Right. No, no, but it's been years now. But that's profound. That's powerful. Wow. Yes. It's so powerful because once you realize that you're doing this for you and that it's giving you some value, suddenly the first night that you sleep through the night or even fall asleep. You know, because a lot of people experiencing chronic stress in any form, you know, they're 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 suffering from from some type of sleep disorder, whether it's apnea or or you know or, or taking handfuls of Ambien, you know, things along those lines. What we start to realize is that breathing, meditating, connecting to you know our breath or connecting to an object of our attention, just suddenly starts to allow us to return back to our wholeness. And that's what healing is. It's returning back to that whole, pure and perfect state that we were when we came out of the womb. But it's been a whole bunch of years since then. So it's really easy to get far away from that balance, from that equilibrium. 
And these techniques just help us slowly, you know, bean by bean. They help us slowly get back to who we are, where we would naturally choose a more nourishing choice. And we all need that, whether we're a yogi or in the military. Wow. I love also what you say in Sacred Powers. Many people see the concept of manifesting their dreams as a fantasy, a lifetime of conditioning holding them back from taking the bold, transformational step. So what does manifesting mean to you? And how does meditation open us up to manifesting this life we desire? Well, I believe in the concept of what I seek, I already am. So the moment we say to ourselves, oh, I wish I could have this or do this, that we've already begun that process. We just have to get out of the way. So that's why I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm East Coast, so I believe in goal setting and I believe in, <laughs> in holding that thing out there. But I also believe in global domination through surrender. I believe that the easiest way for us to manifest everything we want is to plant those seeds inside of us, have them really deeply embedded, and then let go of the outcome and live our best version. Yes. Surrendering is everything. And that also, surrendering to who we are at our core, which by the way, I'm curious as a spiritual leader yourself, why do you think we are here? Why are we in these human suits? Ooh, I know you had a question in there. Who are we dot, 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 really? Yeah, well, I, I choose to go along with the 12th century Sufi poet Hafiz, Hafiz. who said, um, when all of your desires are distilled, you will cast but two votes, to love more and to be happy. So I believe that that's what we're here to do, to love more and to be happy. And, and people might say, oh, that's so unambitious of you. And I would reply to that. Oh, really? Try loving a little, try loving a little more. Let's see how unambitious that is. And uh, I'm sure we all could love a little more. Yes, of course. <laughs> and we could also receive a little more love. And that can you know, be hard. We have, we have blocked. We have blocked love from coming in on so many different occasions and we could be so much more expansive. Um, you know, we like to believe that we're these moral people who know how to do everything correctly and perfectly and how to live life, you know. Um, but how about living in a state of spontaneous openness? You know, how about, you know, truly unfolding to the connectedness between our individuality and our universality, you know, the oneness of existence. I believe we, we're on this journey to see if we can trust our heart just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, trust in the universe a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then the alignment between our heart and the universe. A little more every day or every breath. Right. I mean, we think about it. Our left hand never battles our right hand. <laughs> they only know how to either do nothing together or work together, but they're never battling. Yeah. 
and that really you know that's that's like signifies that's like an emblem for the the path of one that we're here to figure out how do we work together how do we coexist in every single moment not how do we disagree or how do we bristle at each other wow and another thing i know people struggle with is accepting acceptance and I know so many of our listeners right in our secret Facebook group, their um, struggles with their reality. And you beautifully laid out in Sacred Powers these three steps to acceptance, seeing, feeling, and willingness. May you elaborate a bit on each? Sure. I mean, if we, if we think about this concept, you know, like what do we, how do we absorb the universe? I like to think of acceptance in this context of, None of us listen enough. So we can listen with our eyes and drink in every single thing. Because a lot of times we're just looking at the conditioned thing. Yeah. And we're not seeing everything. And so again, you know, it's a it's a, it's a form of of meditation to a certain degree if we would, you know, actually get to that space. So when we can essentially listen to the world with our eyes and then listen to a moment you know with our physical body and this also comes back to this concept of of the source of all of our healing you know and i i use the word wholeness and healing interchangeably you know it's it's for us to to do anything we have to be so in love with ourself. And I don't mean like a narcissist because a narcissist isn't necessarily in love with himself. They're just trying to fill some empty void by making it all yeah. about them. But do, do I genuinely have compassion for the journey that I've taken, you know, and then can I also open my heart to another being? And then this concept of, and can I receive, can I truly receive this this world that's coming that's coming into me and i think that we block ourselves from receiving we must allow the universe but acceptance takes it even deeper because acceptance is an invitation and that's a whole nother level, you know, because, uh, you know, we also, you know, talk about these concepts of like, you know, can I accept or do I tolerate, you know, tolerate is like putting up with something. Accepting is actually an invitation. And that is so intense. If we think about the concept of, can I invite everything I see into my world? Can I invite everything that I'm feeling into my world? Can I invite my next step into existence? This is how we, this is how we manifest. We suddenly elim eliminate the barriers that we have between all the things that we, again, keep ourselves, you know, separate from. And so I, this is why I think our core values are so important. This is why I think surrender is so uh, important. 
if we give ourselves that ultimately that permission, then ultimately trust starts to unfold. And that's, you know, that's essentially where the magic happens. We have to trust that this moment is perfect because every moment leading up to this moment is perfect. And we may say, but wait a second. No, no. Traumatic things happen to me. Horrible things happen to me. I, I don't want to like those things. And so I'm not saying we should like that, but we have to accept it. We have to acknowledge that it is the thing that has brought you to this moment, essentially. And once you can make peace with that, and you're like, yeah, it was pretty horrible, but I accept it. And everything you could ever want in your life unfolds. Then suddenly you realize you are part of some magnificent divine plan and you are exactly where you need to be. Even the hard things. Yes, because without it, maybe we wouldn't have the resilience to have gotten back up and get us to this moment. Wow. But forgiveness can be so hard. So, so it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we should be like blindly like robots going. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But you have, but you have to realize whatever that horrible heartbreak, trauma, disappointment, death, disaster, scarring, wounding. It's gotten you to this moment. And in this moment, we get to take all of that, all that juice. We get to take that and then truly step into a new beginning. And I believe that we have that power. We can move from victim to survivor to thriver. Yes. Wow. Victim to survivor to thriver. I am writing that down over and over. That's brilliant. And the way you articulate everything, by the way, is so beautiful. And I love your rhythm. And it's so captivating. I'm like on my the seat of my or the edge of my seat. Clearly, I'm not articulating right now. But, wow. And I also love the way you write, by the way. And I do want to talk about because you've written many books. Do you happen to have a writing process? And will you walk us through that writing process? Um, well, sure. Um, I write every day. Um, I write usually between seven and 10 pages every day. Sometimes it's absolute gibberish, but, um, when people tell me that they have writer's block, um, my answer to that is if you're stuck, then write about your writer's block, write about how, how frustrating it is to have your writer's block, uh, <laughs> write a little story about, about being blocked. You still um, know how to write down letters, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I usually write way more than ever gets published. Um, so Sacred Power, most of my books are between like 65,000 and 80,000 words. And I'll usually write about 120,000 words. You know, it's usually about like 500 pages. And then I, and then I sort of like sculpt it away. I realize that I've become too too uh, verbose or I've said that already or I'm repeating myself or there's got to be a better way for me to to get that you know get that process through there and um, 
and I just keep paring it down, paring it down, paring it down, paring it down. Some people use a, the exact opposite mechanism. Some people, you know, are only, you know, they create sort of like the, the outline um, or the table of contents, and then they build, you know, sentence by sentence, they build on that. Um, my feeling is, you know, I'm writing all the time and I'm always sparking new ideas. And so I'd like to put them out there and see how they gel, how they morph together. I never thought I was going to, to write um, sacred powers in this form. Suddenly it just grabbed me. Um, I don't know. I was going to say, you know, grabbed me by, by my tonsils, but I don't know how it grabbed me. <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed me some, some thing and I suddenly I was just writing and writing and writing and writing and I, you know I became you know really really absorbed and suddenly I realized I was writing for like 17 18 hours a day and I like to sit outside wow you know what and it's right, like you're channeled then. right 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 it feels like that you know I know a lot of people say you know it's like Course in Miracles or something like that but you know I know it's coming through um I don't know that it's that it's divine. Again, like like I said, well, I'm just taking some kind of energetic flow and putting it into my voice, my words, and I like to yeah. write in a very um, like I would talk. That's how I like to. My editor didn't necessarily in this last book. You know, I have a lot of you know dot dot dot. You know, um, and the editor. Like, that's okay. I am too. I love the dot dot dot. Right. The editor's like, you know, it's called an ellipsis, and you need to cut it out. And I go, why? And, and she said, because you have over 700 of them. And I was like, oh, well, you know. I said, what's better? And she goes, like, how about like ending a sentence with a period and then starting a new sentence with a capital? And I was like, no, no, no. It's a flow. It's coming out. It's got to be. So. You know what? But that makes you, you so unique. Like, I, I think that they should definitely keep the dot, dot, dots because what other book has that? That's what makes it stand out. Yeah. So I've, you know, I, I, I'm hoping, you know, I want to convey my words as if we were hanging out and talking. And yeah. sometimes just like this, dot, 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 you know, then my next words will come <laughs> out. And so I'm just trying to really replicate how I, how it feels to me when I'm talking to somebody. So, um, so my style has served me you know, I'm probably a lot more um, freeform and a lot of people prefer having like, here are the 10 chapters, let's, let's, mm. you know, write them in order. Um, but, you know, like in the middle of, of this book, I was suddenly, I was like, oh, you know what? I want to write about this concept of the 10 awakenings of the heart. I need to put that down. And I wasn't going to get to that path of inner fire until the end of the book. But I, so I wrote that, you know, probably in the first weeks that I was writing the book. And I said, you know, when I get to the part where we're talking about the heart and inner fire, I know this is going to be there. And originally it was like part of that chapter. And then I said, you know what? It's its own chapter. Let me break out the 10 awakenings, you know, of the heart and go through that process of, of listening and, and, and attraction and then fascination and like, you know, moving through that, you know, to, to, to get to, you know, from there to empathy and then into compassion and, you know, get, keep building on that, getting more and more deeply um, because, you know, we talk about the word love from everything from I love my, my dog Peaches the Buddha Princess to I love the city of London to I love chocolate croissant. And suddenly we realize, gee, I'm throwing that word love around a lot. Let me put a little more definition when it comes to how we feel about other people 
considering that the whole world really revolves around this concept of love, yet no one can, can name it or, or define it. That actually brings me, why not? I think it's time to do the rapid fire because one of them might ask about love, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready? Oh, I hear a plane. We'll wait till that passes. Yeah, that plane is coming. In the it's distance. coming from a distance. Also, I picture, by the way, no, we're going to rewind back. I really want to ask this question after the plane. It's actually a helicopter. Or, or the helicopter, of course. And they like to like wind around in circles right. for a bit, taking a tour. Where are you right now? I'm uh, in Carlsbad, California, the sweet spot of the universe. <laughs> Such a sweet spot. Hey, guess That's what? Actually... Right now it's 11-11, so I just wanted to... <gasps> I actually saw we were an hour and one minute and 11 seconds in. I looked at the clock. I was like, oh, <laughs> amazing. It's seven twelve here in good old London. Good old London. Anyways, okay, so yeah, I'm gonna do the rapid fire and then actually ask the other question that I wanted to ask. Few questions. Okay, so rapid fire: chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, or Neapolitan? Chocolate. Good answer. Dog or cat person? Dog. Again, good answer. Favorite city in the world? Oof, favorite city in the world. It's a tie between London and Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, London's amazing. I haven't been to Amsterdam in a long time. Favorite book? Mm. Um, well, I guess, you know, it's usually what I'm reading at, in a given wave out there. But I would say right now, um, my favorite book is Osho's Book of Secrets. It's so like, then you might have Osho's like, Book of Secrets. Right. It's like 800 pages. <laughs> Chock full. So you're taking your time with that one? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Wow. You might have answered the next question then. Book you're currently reading, if any. Um, it's one of the books I'm reading, but I am always reading the Bhagavad Gita. Mm. Always. That's right. You've already given like 500 away or something. I, huh? I am constantly buying them, giving them away. And I'm always, I have one in like, I have one in my bedroom, my bathroom, my dining room, my kitchen. I even have one <laughs> in my bed. I have one in my car. <laughs> Because I want to be able to just like suddenly like sit down and, and just open it up like the I Ching, just open it up and read a, read a verse and go like, oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. So, That's brilliant. What version do you read? Um, probably my favorite version uh, that I'm reading um, probably right now is the Eknath Iswaran. Um, E-A-S-W-A-R-E-N. Eknath Iswaran's translation is one of the most beautiful, poetic, and modern. Um, although, you know, I've, I've enjoyed so many different versions, um, and I've bought so many different versions. I love Paramahansa Yogananda's version, uh, translation as well, and Sai Baba's. Um, but Eknath, E-K-N-A-T-H, Iswaran is like, oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. No, Tid. You said poetic, and I am sold. I'm not familiar with that one. I love it. All right. What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a child? Um, I wanted to be um, a uh, astronaut. Of course. Why not? <laughs> I know. It's, it's pretty weak. And my mother wanted me to be um, a doctor. And so wow. both, neither of those have happened. <laughs> that is so original mom wanting to you to be a doctor <laughs> right. you want to be an astronaut 
Oh, wow. Wait, speaking of original, is your real name David G? Um, here is my, here's the, the, the one minute version of this. All right. Um, after I came back from India, I went out to um, California and I um, re-bumped into Deepak Chopra. And I said, listen, I have all this amazing turnaround business experience and you're like this unbelievable spiritual master. How about we do like a little exchange here? And, um, you know, I'll provide guidance to help your um, spiritual center grow and expand. And, um, you know, you sort of like uh, put me in place where I can meet amazing people and study and do whatever. And he was like, okay, sure, let's do it. So I became the, the COO. And um, his partner at the time was Dr. David Simon, a neurologist who was like an amazing Sufi master and a brilliant biblical scholar and one of the, like the, the deepest meditation. He, he was like a, in the TM movement for like 20 years. Um, and um, so he and I became fast friends, but we started hanging out together constantly. And so people would come up to us or call from down the hall um, all the time. Hey, David. And uh, we would both turn our heads around. So after about six months, Deepak and David sat me down. It was sort of like an intervention. And they said, listen, we can't handle the David thing. We've got to just like, it's too distracting. Every time someone yells David, David Simon turns his head around and it's not for him, it's for you. And so we want him to be David. And they said, we're gonna name you David G. And I said, you mean like the letter G? Like a 12 step program, <laughs> I'm David G? And Deepak goes, no, 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 J-I. It's a term of reverence in Hindi. It means beloved. And I said, oh my God, my mother named me David because in the Bible, that means beloved. I'm beloved, beloved. <laughs> and so beloved. that was 2000. That was 2003, so like Beloved Squared. And so since 2003, I have gone by that name. I love it. And you also don't capitalize the D. Right. Well, what happened was after like a couple of weeks, you know, where people were, you know, referring to me as the Beloved, and it was getting a little weird for me. And so <laughs> I said, you know, I am not the Beloved. I'm a Beloved. <laughs> so I'll take that capital D down to a small D. And, um, oh, that's great. Yeah. So there's a couple of companies, you know, E.E. E. Cummings, um, Lululemon, uh, David G. There's a couple of, you know, lowercase. <laughs> I'm all for the lowercase, to be honest. Like when I write, I just love to not have capital letters in there unless maybe I am referring to the universe. Right. Other than it. that, I feel it. I feel it. I love it. Okay. What activities make you smile most? Um taking peaches the buddha princess my mindful morky to the beach at low tide where she goes wild racing up and down and trying to chase crabs and we go to the tide pools and i um can run on the beach because it's real you know the sand is pretty hard at that point so that is like my number one favorite thing in the world i've post whenever it's low tide for like three or four days really really early in the morning between like six o'clock and eight o'clock um i that's my instagram posts are only peaches and me on the secret beach um that's amazing that's true happiness and love right there everything we're living for right that's so great um and i also you're a tv watcher right a big tv watcher i'm a tv addict, addict. I'm a, I'm, i love I it and i love that myself. you own it as a spiritual leader like i love that you own that i consider myself a professional so yes, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching lots of TV and I learned so much from it and it's very, very deep. 
uh, for me. Yeah. So, um, what are your favorite shows? Well, um, one of my shows that recently um, the season ended is Homeland. And of course, that used to star Damian Lewis. Um, that's on HBO. Uh, that's on Showtime, actually. Um, but I saw it while I was in London. Um, I saw a little snippet of it, so it's on something else. Um, but also, um, I got the opportunity to see Damian Lewis in a play uh, in London last year. I actually flew there to see him in a play. Um, <laughs> and I watch him in the TV show, which is HBO's Billions with Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis. And mm -hmm. that's like an amazing show. Uh, what else do I like? Um, is Homeland also I, HBO? Uh, Homeland's Showtime. Oh. And Billions is HBO. But Damian Lewis is like an amazing British actor who he's like um, you, Laurie. Like there's no trace of an accent. So you think this <laughs> guy is you. so totally like born on the East Coast. Um, and meanwhile, he's just a, such a brilliant actor. I love it. I'll Google him. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of shows of mine that have just ended their seasons. I hate that. Um, <laughs> like The Blacklist just ended. Um, and... Um, it must be like, it's another helicopter. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, but, activity um, in Carlsbad. Yeah, I do. I watch a lot of um, Netflix stuff. So Ozark on Netflix, unbelievable. Is that um, Jason Bateman? Yes. Yes. Did you see that? No, I'll have to. Oh. I've been oh. really bad. I've just been just into one comedy season. lately. It's just one season. He wrote, directed, and stars in that. Oh. And that's spectacular. Um, and Laura Linney's in it also. Um, there's some great, real great, um, male, female Shakti Shiva energy in that, um, as well. Oh, and amazing. on Amazon prime, um, Goliath starring, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. It's also really just a great, great, um, it was only one season. So I'm a big fan of that. I hope our listeners are enjoying these shows too. I love it. Um, oh, Ooh, I like this next one, but now I'm sure since you've had some time to meditate on it, you might know the answer to it now. What would you write on your tombstone? Oof, you know, um, it changes. It changes a lot. I'm sure. Um, but I would, you know, you know, the answer is like, you know, sort of like we could take it a little further and say, like, what would you like your legacy to be? Um, <laughs> and I, yeah. you know, I would like I would like pe people who knew me or connected me to uh, say, you know, I love the fact that this guy um, gave me permission to um, to hashtag BSU, blow shit up, <laughs> you know, and and really live the life of my own design. That yes. that would be my greatest. That maybe that could be on the tombstone, BSU. Yeah, that would be it. See, a lot of people think it's like hashtag BSU. If you go there on Instagram or face, Facebook, people think it's like Ball State University, which is like some college in the United States. Um, but um, whenever you see, when I'm using it, it's not. It's, nope. you know, we need, to, we need to constantly evolve. You know, on Osho's tombstone, it says, never born, never died. And so that's pretty amazing. Oh, never born, never died. Whoa. That's all of us. <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. The one divine. Wow. All right. Ready? Yeah. Define love.
I have to define it with just one word, uh, I was I, I would use surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to define it with more than one word, probably um, well, you know what? That's it. I would just use the Sanskrit anahata. That's the that's the Sanskrit for the for the heart chakra, and anahata means unstruck. So imagine something like a bell that's unstruck. It's pure mm-hmm. and infinite, right? Because because that when it is struck, that that gong, that bell, that vibration could be anything, but something that's unstruck is almost like pregnant with possibilities, you know, pure potential in that moment. And it's, it's so pure because it hasn't been stained or tainted. Uh, so I would say, you know, anahata, unstruck. That's beautiful. I love the double answer. I applaud it. Oh my gosh. Define life. Oh, define life. Sealed in this flesh casing for the span of a lifetime. Oh, that's brilliant in this flesh casing. Right? That's it. Here we are. Brilliant. Define God. Define God. Well, you know, there was a time when I when the God that I believed in was a, was a scolding and a spanking God. And then I had like one of these like epiphanies where I said to myself, I actually get to determine my God. My God is, is loving. My God is forgiving. My God, you know, has given me multiple chances. My God is rooting for me. So I think God is the universe rooting for me. And I would, and I would like to expand that to everyone. When I think of God, I think of like, like the galactic cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, my galactic cheerleader. (laughs) I love that. So this galactic cheerleader gave you free billboards to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world. What would these billboards read? Be here now. Oh, that was quick. Well, I just saw the billboards open up in my, in my mind's eye with those words on them. <laughs> well, that's clearly what the galactic cheerleader was showing you. So you could say this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. Right. And I think it would be so cool to be like driving and the first one is B and then suddenly you hit the next one and it's here, you know, and the next one is now. Oh my gosh. So. Okay. If I become, when I become a millionaire someday, that's happening. I love it. Um, you walk into a time traveling portal to see 16 year old David G and back then David, what would you whisper in his ear to prepare him for his journey ahead? Don't second guess yourself so much. Yeah. You really brought me into like this very, very somber, intense, Ooh. you know, 
moment. Thank you for that. That was like really intense. I suddenly, I suddenly transported myself to that moment. Wow. And I've never had a conversation with my 16 year old version. Well, that's something you should consider exploring. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. (laughs) This last question is one that we ask all of our guests. How would you advise our listeners to create their own magic? I would uh, tattoo someplace on your body, hashtag I trust. And if you're not going to do that, (laughs) then embed it. Embed it so deeply into you as a daily mantra. Um, Because like right now, I mean, think about it. Right now, there are shooting stars all over the place. And it's like daylight for me. And I know it's probably coming up on nighttime for you. But they're shooting stars everywhere and we just don't see them, which means there's magic unfolding in every single moment all around us, but we're just not seeing it. You know, our eyes may be closed to it or maybe there's a wall in front of us and we're not seeing through it. And so if we can just remind ourselves every single day and every single moment, I trust, I trust, I trust. You know, it comes back to that every moment is a choice between a grievance and a miracle every single moment and we always can choose miracle and we have to know we can only do that if we trust so i trust and i trust embed that deeply within i love that i trust i think i will actually get the tattoo like you said with with the hashtag (laughs) it's not the same without the hashtag Oh, no, absolutely must hashtag it. And as a way to start, you could probably just Sharpie it on your skin just to see how yeah, that first. feels for a couple Definitely. of Definitely. Yeah. Maybe I'll get it. I trust in, what is it in Sanskrit? Do you know? I'll add to my Sanskrit tattoos. Yeah. No, but be careful. You want to make sure it's the right thing. Okay. <laughs> so I have one tattoo that says Ahimsa, but apparently it's missing a little slash and so when i went to india i didn't know this until i went to india and i had it already on my skin for about six months and people that speak or that can read sanskrit told me that it actually says ahima so uh-huh. i around with snow instead of ahimsa i think that's beautiful <laughs> yeah i embrace the winter why not anyways so do you mind now that we're at the tail end to guide us into a meditation? I would love to. Thank you so much. Yeah, I would love to. And I'd like to make it just, you know, a little, um, not kooky, but um, there's a beautiful 26-year, uh, 2,600-year-old uh, um, mantra. So created it at the, around the time of, of the Buddha, around 600 B.C., and um, the, um, this mantra will um, help people to trust. This will help people to merge with the divine. This will help people to heal um, any emotional wounds. <clears throat> so let's get comfortable because remember comfort is queen and we always want to get as comfortable as possible yes. when we meditate and together let's take a long slow deep breath in through our nose long slow and deep and gently let that go 
and allow our eyelids to gently float closed. And again, another long, slow, deep breath in. And gently release it. And now just watch your breath as it flows in and as it flows back out. And maybe you hear the birds in, in my garden. Just allow yourself to be transported to this very, very safe space. And now we'll silently repeat a mantra, but first we'll start by saying it out loud. And the mantra is Om Ah Hum. Om Ah Hum. So let's everyone say it out loud together. Om Ah Hum. And that means perfection of mind, perfection of speech, perfection of heart. And if perfection's a little too intense for you, you can always use tranquility of mind, tranquility of speech, tranquility of heart. And if you're not sure what that means, then you can use peace of mind, peace of speech, peace of heart. Om ah hum. And now whisper it. And now begin to silently repeat the mantra to yourself over and over and over. And as you repeat the mantra, Om Ah Hum, it may get louder or fainter, faster or slower. It may become jumbled or distorted. However it changes, don't resist. Simply continue to repeat it over and over and over. And when you realize you've drifted away to thoughts or sounds or physical sensations, ever so gently drift back to Om Ah Hum. Let's just stay in this space for a few moments here. And now take a long, slow, deep breath in. And gently let that go. And let's try that one more time. Long, slow, deep breath in. 
and gently release. And now let's celebrate our oneness, our union, the fact that we are indeed merged with the universe in every single moment by chanting Om, just one time together. Take a long, slow, deep breath in. And when it feels comfortable, you can slowly open your eyes. You can look around at all those who you share this collective consciousness and you all shared this with whatever the birds were that were hanging out that in my garden. Amazing to hear the birds during this. Amazing. And the construction they... cat in the back. <laughs> yeah, we have that beep, 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 as well as every single bird. It ended up harmonizing with the birds, I swear. I don't know if it was just because I was in that state, but it was all a beautiful musical uh, time space. I love that. Yeah. I loved that meditation. Thank you so much. And for your time, it's so valuable and you're so valuable. Where can everybody find you online and on the physical plane? Cause I know you do a lot of events. What's coming up for you? Well, you can always visit me at davidg.com, D-A-V-I-D-J-I.com. And uh, I'm on uh, Facebook facebook.com slash flow of love and um that's also that's also david g but flow of love is the actual url and on instagram at david g meditation and i'm sort of everywhere cruising everywhere but you can visit davidg.com and have access to hundreds of free guided meditations so um they're out there. I encourage you to find the meditation that resonates with you. Themes from stepping into your power to letting go of what no longer serves you to merging into the divine to manifesting your dreams and desires. Pick it. All the um, good stuff. And so, and you listen to me on Spotify. So I'm, I'm, there's something out there everywhere. <laughs> there really so is. So party on. And remember that we transform the world by transforming ourselves. So we have to keep leaning in the direction of our dreams. Thank you, David G. And I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes. Namaste. Nice. Well, thank, thank you so much for inviting me. And thank uh, all of your listeners for uh, hanging out with us. And thank you for the work that you do. It's, it's spectacular. And always remember the power of your ripple because you're helping to transform lives every single day by the work that you do. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Namaste. 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 <laughs> oh, man. I feel like repeated that. It's so funny how he says it. I love how bubbly he is. Namaste. Anyways, I love also what he said. We transform the world by transforming ourselves. And we do this. Well, one of the most powerful ways of doing this is meditating. And how glorious was that meditation with David G and the birds and, of course, the construction. But it was still beautiful. And Tribe, let's all just soak in David G's magic. I would love to also hear your thoughts of this episode in the Facebook group if you want to type that in. 
Thank you so much, so much for tuning in. And if you haven't checked out the Your Own Magic Soul Tribe exclusive site yet at yourownmagic.life, there are new meditative imaginings for you, as well as self-expansion questions and a new magic challenge involving handwritten love letters and more. Maybe I will give you a slight little taste of what to expect in these imaginings that are only $4.44 per month and for a limited time only $34.44 which is like four months free. This is one of the best ways that you can also support this podcast. So again that is yourownmagic.life and I'll give a little taste of it now. Namaste. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying it like that. Now bring to mind a visual of the tallest, most powerful, and mystical waterfall you've ever seen. You embrace her presence as she is there with you, in front of you, and you are with her, in front of her, and you feel the vibrations of her pouring energy surround you. A surreal feeling of pure connection to this gift Mother Nature has gifted you. Glistening in the midst of her mightiest fades in a rainbow between her water streams. Embrace this beauty, this connection with you, Mama Earth, and the beautiful waterfall have for a while till I guide you again. 